Hey everyone, and welcome to the In the Weeds podcast. I'm your host, Ben. While I'm best known for my knowledge of golf club fitting, golf equipment, and instruction, nothing related to golf will be out of bounds. Grab a wedge, an extra ball, and a scythe, because we're getting in the weeds. Well, welcome back to the In the Weeds podcast. We have episode number nine for you here today, and I am very excited to tell you that number uh, one, the best guest we could ever have, the first guest of the podcast, Mr. Jeff Greenswag is with us today. So I'll give you a little bit of an intro and we'll talk about what we're going to talk about today. But uh, before we do that, let me tell you a little bit about Jeff. So Jeff is a really good buddy of mine, played a bunch of golf with him when I lived in Denver. And, uh, you know, when I was getting this whole thing started, he reached out and said, Hey man, it'd be sweet if I could be on your podcast and we can talk about golf. And, um, I'm also starting a golf business myself, just like you are. So that'd be a pretty sweet topic. And, uh, you know, we happened to agree that master's week was the best week to do it. So we could talk about the masters as well. So that's what we're going to cover today. Um, but without any further ado, I'll let Jeff fill in on what he's working on and where you can find him and uh, what his uh, what his current plans are. So Jeff, have at it, my friend. Awesome, Ben. Thank you very much. I uh, really appreciate uh, you know the chance to just come on here and talk with you, man. It's uh, it's been a lot of fun, you know, getting to know you on and off the golf course. And um, just so everyone knows, Ben is a really really good player, like really really good. He hits the ball a million miles uh, and really straight. And then he can put the ball like right into the hole. So when he's like talking about golf stuff, like definitely listen to what he's saying. Cause he knows he's talking about, um, I, on the other hand, just pretend and get lucky every once in a while. So there's a little <laughs> difference in the way we play the game. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I'm starting a golf brand. Um, it was inspired by a dream I had where uh, I was walking down the first fairway of my home course, common ground. And I looked down at my golf bag and I saw something I'd never seen before. And I picked it up and I started playing with it and I figured out what it was. And I woke up in the morning and I drew it out of crayons and sent it to my brother-in-law and he made a computer drawing of it. And you know, now about two and a half years later, I'm just about ready to go to production. I'm actually printing the new designs on Thursday this week. And I'm meeting up with my cut and sew lady on Monday to put together our initial uh, offerings um, of the cooler towel, which is a provisional patented, hopefully soon patent pending, um, golf towel that turns into a beer cooler. And you might be saying, Jeff, you know, how does a golf towel turn into a beer cooler? And I would say, you know, I'm glad you asked that. Let me tell <laughs> you. Um, so basically, um, you know, I, I've sourced about half of my materials from the United States. The other half are coming from overseas just because of the, you know, 
realities of costs and supply chains. Um, but everything's going to be manufactured here in Colorado. So I'm really proud about that. Uh, but because I'm getting stuff from overseas, I did everything in centimeters. So it's a 50 centimeter by 100 centimeter golf towel. So it's a big rectangle. It's about, uh, 16, 17 by like 33, 34 inches or so about that big. And, um, actually, you know what? I think it's a little bigger than that actually, but anyway, you get the idea. It's a big rectangle. And when you, look at it it looks like uh, a really nice plush microfiber golf towel on one side and it is sewn into a waterproof back so this waterproof shell has a lot of functionality now it's sewn in everywhere except the middle seam on the long edges and the reason it's not sewn in on the middle seam on the long edges is because you can reach inside and pull out a couple little triangular flaps of fabric that are acting as gussets mm-hmm. so that when you fold the towel in half into a square, you can zip those sides closed and use the little triangular flaps of fabric to plug up the holes and you can fill it with ice and beers, like 20 beers and ice, and it'll stay icy and cold for nine holes until you get to the turn. Cause the combination of the shell and the towel help keep everything insulated. Now, if you're more into like being a player and not necessarily like drinking on the golf course as much and using it for that purpose, um, it's really great because the waterproof shell can help keep your towel either wet or dry all day, depending on what you need. You can kind of zip it up like a hot dog instead of a hamburger, turn it into a tube and the tube stays wet all day, or you can zip up just one side and uh, lay it over your clubs, kind of like one of those Titleist dry hoods, the big square uh, towels. Um, So it's got a lot of functionality. And the best part is for all of you tournament directors and hosts and men's club participants and college and high school teammates (laughs) and all that stuff. um, They're fully custom printable on both sides. Um, We have some really cool designs coming out. Like, you know, one side, the shell is a watermelon rind. The inside is the fruit. One side has the shell as uh, a bunch of grass and the inside is dirt. So it looks kind of like a big divot. We've got a special print coming out for the masters. We've got Arnold Palmer's and John Daly's. We got a bunch of really cool stuff and everything can be seen uh, very shortly here at saucegolf.com. Nice. I've got a couple of uh, pretty well-produced videos on there. Um, what you'll be seeing on there is kind of like the Gen 1 model because, and we, and we'll talk about this as we get into a little bit more of like how our business came about and stuff, but I almost launched this thing uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, and I had to put the brakes on it because I had that previous Gen 1 model and I sent... 30 or so of those out to a bunch of social media golf influencer people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got some really great feedback, but it also showed me that like the product was not ready for public consumption. So mm-hmm. we took their advice, advice under consideration and I made a bunch of changes and I'm really happy with where we landed. So Dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. But yeah, you can't go wrong with a towel that not only can keep your shit dry if it rains, 
but you can also put 20 beers in it and can clean your clubs off all at the same time. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty awesome. You know, the way I imagine it working is like you go out with the intentions of shooting the course record, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, after the first hole two. when you're six over yeah. and the cart girls coming around, you're like, you know, F this. Yeah. And then you just turn it into the cooler and you're like, fill me up, buttercup. And That's all of right. a sudden you and That's your boys right. got beers and ice for the next few holes till you get to the turn. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, man, that's the other thing, too, is that for how often people fill up with beers, no golf course has ever come up with the good way to deliver those beers to you. Right. Like what's the most common way? Like they just give you a plastic bag and they fill it with ice and then it just like leaks all over everything in that back cubby in your golf cart. Exactly. That's what we're trying to avoid. Nice. And you got to have your cake and eat it too. You know, you got to keep your nice stuff. Nice. (laughs) That's that's what I'm hoping. And, um, you know, I'm still kind of working on the pricing, but they're going to be retail around like 45 or 50 bucks. Yeah. Um, we can definitely, once we get going, provide a discount code for listeners of the podcast for sure. Um, so we'll definitely make, make sure to take care of that. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. So I guess, uh, tell me about, you know, starting your business from scratch and, you know, you sort of talked about the inspiration already and, you know, walking down the fairway and in seeing this problem just pop into your head and, you know, me with vanquish was sort of the same thing, but talk about sort of where you went from there and like what your first couple steps were. So, um, you know, we're, we come at this from a couple of different angles because you started like a golf accessory, like specific, like, and training equipment yeah. specific to the game. Right. Right. Um, and you have a history of working in golf professionally and right. working with specifically with product development and R and D. Yeah. So I would say that, you know, you probably had like a decent idea of like what you needed to do to get going where like I had absolutely no idea what I needed to do to get going. Cause I was getting into the textile world. Now yeah. I needed to have materials from all over the world. I needed to work with multiple vendors. I needed to work with, uh, you know, a dye sublimation shop, a cut and sew facility, I'm still going to have to work with somebody else for my packaging, you know, and everything is gets shipped to my apartment. And then I take it to the places it needs to go yes, and I get do. things made. And then they come back and then they sit in a storage unit until I can pack them up and ship them out. Right. 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 So to kind of like understand what I had to do, I basically had to just start doing it. Yep. And that unfortunately led to me, spending more time and money than was necessary in hindsight. However, if I did not take those missteps and go through the paths that I took, I may not have ended up meeting the right people that ultimately I needed to meet to be able to actually produce this at scale. Because looking back on it, if I took a slightly different route, I would have worked with somebody else initially it would have been really easy for me to get the initial design up and going, but I would never have gotten connected to the people that are ultimately going to be producing the product for me. So, you know, 
at the end of the day, every business has a startup costs and mine are such that, you know, if I can get seven or so clients of as golf tournaments to buy these towels as their swag bag or whatever, right? Like I'm in the black on the project as a whole. So really it wasn't, it wasn't that much, you know, it was a lot to me mostly because I've been poor a lot lately Um, (laughs) and I'm doing it on a, and I'm doing it on a, like a credit card, but you know, I really, I really believe in the product and every single person that I've talked to about it or shown it to, um, has had at least a positive reaction, if not, you know, pretty enthusiastic. So, um, yeah, it was, it was really tricky, but basically the first step I took was contacting an old friend of mine who I consider kind of like my business entrepreneurial, like mentor. Mm. Um, and you know, he's got his fingers in a lot of pots. He does music, he does real estate, he's done restaurants, Um, you know, he's just really savvy and knows a ton of people all around town, Denver family for like a couple, three generations. So, you know, just really connected. And he connected me with a guy that has a, uh, screen printing and embroidery shop. And that guy connected me with a woman who has like a fashion design consultation business. This was my big mistake getting involved with this lady. She was so old. She had (laughs) no time for me. She grossly overcharged me, like wouldn't communicate only was in her office, like a couple days a week. Like, like I couldn't like, I, like I wanted to like move quickly. And this was somebody who could not care less how much time was going. So ultimately she connected me with another person who helped me move it along a lot, but that person ended up becoming so busy with like their regular job that they just, you know, couldn't devote to me like a really small, small client, like the time that was really necessary for me to like get the product where I wanted it. So I could move on and start producing it. Um, and fortunately, um, randomly one day, uh, a friend of a friend, uh, heard me talking about the product and was like, Oh man, you should like meet this, these guys. Like I'm, I'm in the textile business and I sell these guys like tons and tons of fabric. Like you should talk to them. And so I ended up talking to them and that helped me move the product to almost where it is today. But then COVID hit and like, (laughs) like, like we were like, we were like working together, working together, like getting through it. And then like, I had a meeting with them on a Monday, I was supposed to come back on a Thursday to pick up some new, uh, prototypes. Yeah. And on Wednesday they called me and they're like, yeah, we're closing our offices on Friday. Everything's done. We're shutting up shop, blah, blah, blah. So that is when though they introduced me back to the person that is now doing the cut and sew, who's the key linchpin to this whole thing is an affordable local person who can actually do this work. She's a Mennonite woman. Her name is Jane. It's crazy. The bonnet, the leather boots, the whole nine yards. That's awesome, man. And, um, you know, so now I have all these different parties that I'm working with because I went on this journey and, you know, that I guess was just the cost of my education because really what, 
it, can I talk about dollars and cents here? Like actual dollars and cents? Is that I mean, okay? it's up to you, I guess. It's fine. So like what actually, what ended up costing me about 15 grand, mm-hmm. you know, probably should have cost me about six. Yeah, sure. You know, um, about nine, and, nine and education, up, right? Yeah. What ended up taking like two and a half, three ish years could have taken, you know, six to 12 months right? in sure. hindsight. So, but the thing is now though, that if I, am inspired to come up with another product in this world, I'll, I'll have a way better framework to go about bringing it to reality. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think that was like, you know, echoing you in a lot of what you said, it's, you know, at least with my, my journey, it was like, Holy cow, man, like this would be sweet. I can get this up and going in a year. And it's like, no, man, it's, it's, it's a lot longer than that, you know? And obviously my product is a little bit different than yours. Mine's aluminum and 3d printed plastic, but uh, you know, I, I think it was interesting for me that when I got started, I, I don't know if I told you this or not, but I went to score, which is like the small business, like, people that used to work in business basically retired and then they volunteer their time to try and help entrepreneurs in the future. Right. You know, pass along all their different information. And that was one of the first things that I did is I actually started meeting with one of those mentors and the mentor that I met one of the first times he was like, uh, he worked for like a bread company for a very long time, but he just knows business very well. And he said, one of the things that will stick with me forever, he's like, man, every single day, you're going to make some kind of a decision. It might be small. It might be, you know, good or bad, big, small, whatever, but you're going to make some kind of decision every single day. And then it's going to add up to something eventually. Right. So, you know, like you're saying, it's like, okay, well, three years later, now you've got a business and, you know, it doesn't, you know, I've talked to a couple of people and they're like, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, shouldn't be that hard. You can totally make one of these on your own. It's like, all right, go ahead and try, man. Like you're more than happy to, you can do this if you want, but trust me, it's going to take way longer than you think. So I think that was just interesting, at least from my, my path is, you know, a lot of what you were talking about, you, you paid money for experience. Right. And, and now you're much better at like starting a business than you would be at. Like if you were going to start a whole brand new company with a brand new product right now, you'd be able to do it way cheaper and way faster than you did the first time. But that's all just part of starting your first business, I guess. Right. Well, you know, in all honesty, it's not my first business, but it is my first business that produces a product. Everything else I've done has been a service or an event, you know, and, and, and those are like completely different animals because they just are, you know, one's physical and one is experiential. Um, so, you know, some of the stuff like the marketing and like doing a website and like, you know, getting organized with the accountant and the secretary of state and all that stuff. Like that was whatever. Like for me, it was like, Oh, like the textile world, like, like I was asking for certain kinds of fabric that do certain types of things. You know, I wanted it to be able to be printed on by sublimation, which meant it had to be polyester, but I wanted it to be light so that the towel wasn't super heavy, but it needed to have a waterproof coat coating. Right. Right. 
And so like the, that initial lady that I was working with, like she, she got me this stuff that was like, uh, you know, eight bucks or 12 bucks a yard or something. And I ended up with a material that was like a dollar 17 a yard. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yes. like, and like, I just didn't know what I didn't know. Like, how do you go about finding the right poly- Oxford woven polyester? Yeah, you don't, you know, you, you tell me a bunch of times. Yeah. I was like, I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, like this is working. I was like, this seems really expensive. And I was like, maybe I can find it cheaper somewhere. And then like that, like, you know, like, cause initially, honestly, what I did, which was the biggest mistake was I put a lot of faith and other people to like help me get to where I needed to go instead of like advocating for what I needed. Like yeah. I should have been like, how much is that? I'm like, absolutely not. We need something like way cheaper, like yep. find me a different fabric, you know? Yes. Um, but I didn't because I didn't even know it was an option. Right, right, right. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, you're going to get some really, really good people that you work with and some that aren't so good. Uh, but ultimately you're going to be your best own advocate, right? Like, no matter what and how helpful some, some person might be, they're not going to have you, you and sauce golf on their minds 99% of the day. Like you are right. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to, they're not going to think of like, Oh, you know, this is 18 bucks a yard. It's probably a little bit too expensive. You know, let's use this other one. They're just going to go with, you know, whatever the easiest path may be most of the time, unfortunately. Um, So that's, you know, it's really interesting to hear you say that because I've done the same thing, man. You should see, I have a whole extra guest bedroom that is literally just full of failed designs of 3d prints for certain pieces. Like, you know, I've gone through like seven, 17 different iterations of, you know, pivots and and connections. So I know exactly what you mean, man. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm glad you made it through that part and you got to a production model because that in and of itself of like taking something from your brain and bringing it into physical reality is like, I'm coming to the point where I'm more appreciative of just that, like to like see my creation in the world. Now I'll be really stoked when I'm, you know, on a sweet golf trip playing Pebble beach paid for by the proceeds of the deal I'm doing with Pebble beach for my towel. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, I'm pretty happy that, you know, it's actually here and it's going to be here, you know, in the next 10, 12 days for me or so. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. That's awesome. That's all. Well, so this is perfect timing then, huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, awesome. actually. Um, Cause we are doing a recap of the masters next week. That's right. Um, which, you know, if we wait until, like Wednesday or Thursday, I might actually physically have them with me. Oh, well, there you go. So I'll keep you posted on that because I'm taking, I'm meeting up with the lady on Monday, like I said, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that like, uh, she'll do, you know, a one day turnaround for me or something, but <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Dude, I, we'll I see feel like I you should you. make, you should make a special edition towel where your Mennonite lady is like the logo and the icon that you put on there. <laughs> oh man. Jane would no, love that. No one would get it, but if you just call it the Jane and then you just like write a short little blurb about it, the know, lady just, Jane. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Dude. She, like it's, it's crazy. Like me and this lady 
could probably not be more opposite human beings. Right. 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 And we are going to work so well together. I'm going to, she's going to make a lot of golf towels for me. <laughs> well, yeah. worlds collide, man. It doesn't matter. You know, you got the skills. Come on in. <laughs> Bring it on over, buddy. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. That's awesome. Cool. Um, well, what, what about you, man? Like, where are you at with your business? Like, are you going to be starting to sell stuff soon or? Well, yeah. So at the moment, well, what, when did I do this? Probably three weeks ago. I gave my aluminum part manufacturers the official go, no go to start production of my first run. My first run's only 250 pieces. Um, but I gave that company the go to start making that first run of all the aluminum pieces. Um, and so obviously, you know, with making things overseas, like you were talking about with the cost standpoint, it is being made overseas, but, uh, that makes it a little bit more complicated. So they're going to have it done and ready here in probably like another couple of weeks. But then after that, you know, it's going to come over on a boat and it's going to sit on a boat in Los Angeles Harbor for, you know, whatever it is. And it'll be delivered and probably, I don't know, from now, maybe in about a month, I'll have everything. Um, so that's, those are coming in about a month. And that's sort of just like you, that's like been, Oh man, I've been working with this company for probably like at least a year already, just going back and forth and just telling them everything that I need and, you know, language barrier. I'm sure you've met some of that trying to get someone to understand exactly what you mean, even in English is sometimes difficult, let alone if their primary language is not English. Um, speaking with these people or typing with them? Typing. Me too. What app are you using? Uh, well, they keep telling me to use WhatsApp, but I'm just using regular email at the moment. Oh, I'm doing everything. Cause well, cause you're ordering special goods that are being manufactured. I'm ordering components that I'm manufacturing right. here. Yes. So I'm doing everything Alibaba. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I get you. Yep. So it's a little bit different, right? Like they're, it's not going to, they're not going to ship me finished product, but they're, they're going to ship me parts of a finished product. So It'll be pretty close. And then I'm fortunate that like 3D, te- 3D printing exists because I can basically just order all the components I need for 3D printing. And those will just show up on my door like four weeks later. So something that, you know, took 60 or 70 days to work with the aluminum is going to take 30 days <laughs> for the 3D prints. So and then you're talking about too with the boxes and everything. Like, I think that's the thing that I didn't even anticipate is like no one person is going to be able to do everything for you. So you got to come from a bunch of different places. So I've got boxes that are sort of in the same route and I should have my first prototype boxes in packaging. You know, I've got two different versions of really nice one and a cheaper one. We'll see how that goes, but um, those will oh, be Oh, you're here. talking about the actual packaging that you're going to sell them in? Yeah, yeah. So that's what's going to be tough, right, is I, in order to ship it, I'm going to have to have a cardboard box on the outside, and essentially all that's going to do is protect the nice box that the product's actually going to sit in on the inside because, you know, obviously A-Line is a bunch of little pieces. It's like 10 or 12 pieces, so the box – has foam inserts in it that is going to keep everything from like moving around 
and it's going to keep everything like really nice and tight. So when you're walking down the fairway, it doesn't like fall out all over the place or like rattle in your bag. So um, what I'm working on right now is that like forever home for it, right? That box that you're going to try and store it in and like transport it in, you know, at least until the box disintegrates, which hopefully is a long time away. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's interesting too. That's just a whole nother layer of <laughs> the story. So I'm almost wondering if instead of a box, what if it was like a fabric thing that you roll it up in that like the yep. different pieces Velcro down to? Yep. My sister literally had the exact same idea. It was like, have you ever seen any something that they like keep paintbrushes in? It's like a burlap thing with like little like little notches for lack of a better word that are just mm -hmm. sewn in there. So you can just like slip the, the, uh, the brushes into there and they, they yeah. stay. So something similar, I've got enough weird, weirdly shaped pieces where that may or may not work well, but, uh, you know, it's at this point with the timing of all the aluminum pieces and the 3d prints, I think I'm just going to have to go with the boxes for now, just because I want to make sure that everything coincides at a similar time. Right. And, you know, the, the burlap sack for lack of better term is probably a better way to go, maybe long-term, but for the timing and the development of it all, that's going to take a while. So it's sometimes you kind of make those decisions, but I agree with you, man. I think that's probably, probably going to be a pretty solid way to look at it. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually going with towel in a clear plastic bag yeah that will go into probably like a flat rate like a yep. plain box but i'm going to try and get some like branded packing tape yeah i've so already that, got some it's of like that. a it's roll really of like yeah yeah it's that stuff's really good the only thing at least uh i got some from uh, sticker mule, I think was the company. They, they were really good. It was cheap and it turned around really fast. So you check them out, but, uh, um, sticker mule, this podcast yes. brought to you by sticker exactly. mule. seriously, <laughs> we're going to take a break brought to you by sticker mule. Uh, me up with the their, discount, their stuff was really good. Uh, but the only thing is that it's like that, like you have to wet it in order to get it to stick. So you have to go buy a bunch of sponges. It's not just sticky. Like once you get a, get a sponge, and you make it wet, and then you just roll the tape over it, and then it becomes sticky. That doesn't sound right. That doesn't That's sound the... like a product I'm interested in. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I'm just I don't think they can tape. print on clear plastic, uh, like scotch tape type stuff. So that at least was what it, it's not hard, but you know, it makes it sound hard. <laughs> All right, so, um, let's get on to the Masters, brother. Let's, yeah, talk, let's, let's talk some golf. All right, so taking a quick short break from the episode for me to talk to you more about my company that is Deer 
to my heart, Vanquish Golf Works. So not only is Vanquish Golf Works where you can find the In the Weeds Golf blog cast, you know, the podcast is hosted on there and the blog posts are also posted on there, which are from the same episode so you can supplement and absorb everything either way. But it is also home to the rest of the company. And the rest of the company, I'm really focusing on uh, golf training aids right now. And my first training aid, A-Line, is going to be coming out very soon. So if you like the podcast and you want to check that out, I think that it would be worth your time. In addition to A-Line, I have some cool hats and shirts that I think you may be interested in as well. But A-Line is going to be my main guy there, my my uh, cash cow, if you will, my cash crop. And A-Line is an alignment reference and setup training aid. So it's going to let you know where you are. And once you know where you are, you're have you're going to have a lot better idea of where it's going. So if you have any interest in that guy, it's going to help you improve your setup, take better dead aim, improve your swing, and get you playing better golf. And if you're interested in all those things, then check out vanquishgolfworks.com where you can find the blog, the podcast, a-Line, the merchandise, and everything. So again, that's my company. Um, same guy here, Ben. And check it out if you have any interest. But let's get back to the show. I like it. All right, I like so it. the Masters, uh, we've both been to Augusta. Yeah. Um, the most awesomest thing I did when I was there was call every phone number I could remember and leave voicemails from the bank of phones <laughs> that they have because yeah. there's no cell phones. That's so right. I have a, I have a voicemail to myself on my phone from Augusta, Georgia that I will never delete. That's awesome. Man. You know, the, the, the drink cups, I came home with like half a dozen drink cups. Yep. You just got my little set. Yep. Well, I just drank a lot. Well, that, you know, so they were my cups. Um, <laughs> and you know what I found out, man? And this might be a little controversial, but like, I don't like pimento cheese sandwiches. Yeah, that's fair. They're not that good, man. Yeah. It's kind of crazy how much cheese is on that bread. And like the texture, it's like a little much. But before I went, a guy I know who's from Atlanta was like pro tip. Get a cheese sandwich, get a chicken sandwich, take a bread off of each, yep. smush them together. There you That's go. what I did, and that was awesome. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. I think pimento cheese, though, is probably just like, I don't know, it's like it's like saying that you got to eat a hot dog in peanuts when you go to a baseball game. It's like, is a hot dog yeah. on its own like the most amazing thing in the world? No, nah, probably not, but it feels a little bit better when you're eating pimento cheese at, at the Masters. You know, I don't know. I know what you're saying, but I I personally I'm think not, it's not. I'm gross, just not a fan but, of pimento cheese. <laughs> yeah, neither am yeah. I. So you no. can go with one of the other 30 options where it's like a dollar a piece. I think I looked at Oh, today, dude, the barbecue pork sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Three oh, bucks. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. Three bucks for that thing, dude. Canadian the dollar fried chicken on a biscuit. Yep. Awesome. Yep. 
That's right. So good. The yep. Georgia peach ice cream sandwiches. I had like six of those, dude. No joke. <laughs> those things were bomb. Yep. Oh my so, gosh. So tell me about the the golf course because the way I always describe it to people is like you're so used to seeing Augusta on TV. And when I showed up there, it was like I was on a real life movie set. You know, it's like, whoa. Okay. So first of all, this is a real place. And second of all, it's even better looking than it looks on TV, which I know everyone says that, but like, it was just so weird that like, holy shit, like this is a real golf course. Like this is not just some like soundstage that they film this thing on or a green screen, you know? It was, yeah. it was amazing. I mean, it's super like vibrant, all the colors. Right. Um, I think part of that though, is also just like, y- like as a huge golf fan, you're there. Like that's what, like, like when adults go to Disneyland, they see like, you know, goofy taking his head off around the corner, having a drink, yeah, like yeah. the garbage on the ground, like how dirty the bathrooms are. Like, I don't yeah. know. I've never been to Disneyland. Uh, I was deprived as a child. Sorry, mom and dad. No, you did a great job. Um, but, you know, like, I can only imagine, like, when a kid goes to Disneyland, like, everything's shiny and bright and, like, it's yep. overwhelming and, like, it's that much cooler even right. than it really is. And I think that, you know, that effect is probably there a little bit uh, with a place like that. Like, probably the members there, like, aren't quite as, like, in awe of it every day. I'm sure more often than not, the members at Augusta are very appreciative of their station in life and happy to be members there and all that. But, um, you know, for the patron, it is just like a pretty cool experience. It's kind of, it's like a Mecca experience. If you're like religiously devoted to golf, like some people right. can get yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know, it's hard to put into words, like how, how lucky you are to even have that experience because like even just winning the lottery to get tickets, like people can try and get tickets for like years and years and years. Now like you're like PGA professional, right? So you can get yeah. them relatively easily. But- well, I can only go myself. I can't get anyone else in, but I can get in whenever I want, which almost is like a double-edged sword, right? Cause it's like, well, you should go this year. You can get in for free. You want to share the, the experience time. with people. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Hey dad, you want to come with? Oh yeah. Okay. So scalp tickets are three grand for, uh, for the weekend or, you know, it's like three grand for Tuesday and six for Sunday, you know? Yeah. It's like, well, it looks like I may be going by myself or, you know, maybe, uh, meet someone else up there and see who's going. Yeah. You know, I almost ordered the food package they were offering this year at taste of Mm. the masters. It's 150 bucks. You get a pound and a half of barbecue pork. Mm. You get uh, 24 cups. You get caramel corn and um, chips, I think. And you get a pound and a half of pimento cheese. But I was just like, man, like, I really don't like pimento cheese. Like, <laughs> can't pull the trigger on this. But, um, uh, you know, God. they're doing more stuff to, like, bring the Masters experience to you. Because the first time they did that Taste of the Masters experience was with COVID when they yep. couldn't have any fans on the grounds in November. Yeah. And I was like, man, why don't they do this every year? Exactly. No matter what. Like, people would right. order the t- ha- crap out of this stuff for Masters parties. And lo and behold, uh, Fred Ridley, like, you know, robbed my, my brain waves and stole my idea, dude. Like, is he hey, still man. the chairman? I don't know. 
I think that's, you know what, that's funny though, too, that you say that because it sort of ties back into our, our business thing is like the masters in a big corporation like that, or like your apples of the world or your Microsoft's or Tesla's, they can literally put out anything that they want and people will try it first and give it the benefit of the doubt because there's such an established brand. Like, yeah. Like who is just going to pay $150 for barbecue and pimento cheese just from, from anyone. But because it's from the masters, dude, Oh, for sure. I'm doing it. But like, that's the tough part with the startup. It's like, you got to have such an awesome product that even despite your terrible marketing that, someone is going to try it anyway or be able to find it you know well and here's the hardest part for you and me dude is that no one has ever seen our products before it's not like it's not like hey check out this cool new head cover we have like i'm a new head cover company we've got like rad designs right Right. like case golf came on the scene recently yep you know and they make some pretty cool head covers uh, side note, they get their stuff printed at the same place. I'm going to be getting my stuff printed here in Denver. Um, but, um, you know, like not only do I have to like make people appreciate the product, but they have to be educated on what it is. So I think that's an even bigger hurdle because I think that with a new product, if it's really good, like once people are educated on it, like they'll probably give it the benefit of the doubt on whether or not it like is like in its final cool design and packaging and color scheme and stuff, you know, because they're like, Oh, this is a cool new product that no one else has. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Whereas if it's an established product, it has to be like something new in terms of how it's presented. For sure. For sure. All right. Well, anyway, so let's, I got a couple things in here. So before we get to your tiers and your picks that you wanted to put on there, I've got a couple just straight up. Who do you want to win? Like who, who, who would make you feel really warm and fuzzy about winning? And then who do you think will win? Max Homa is the guy I really want to win. Okay. Because I've just really appreciate the access he has given people into his like PGA tour career with his get a grip podcast with Shane Bacon. Yep. Um, not to talk about too many other people's podcasts or anything, but <laughs> there it's really good, dude. He's he's a great personality. He's smart. He's funny. He's humble, and um, he just seems like a really good guy. And I think it would be awesome if he won the Masters. I don't think he's got a shot. You know, he's going to struggle to make the cut probably, but right. um, you know, I think that would be cool. Now, who do I think is going to win? I mean, I think. Dustin Johnson has a really, really good chance to repeat really good chance. I mean, there aren't too many people that are playing much better golf than him. Jordan Spieth is hot right now. Right. You know, but like, then you could also have somebody kind of come up like that. You might not expect, like we were talking earlier, like a Cam Smith could easily be in contention. Tommy Fleetwood could easily be in contention. You know, there's a lot of guys that, I mean, here's the thing. No one that makes it to this tournament really doesn't have a chance to win. You know what I mean? Like everyone that makes it there is there because they won a tournament already. Right. Or they're a certain world ranking or whatever. I don't know what all the requirements are, but these guys are really good. And any of them have the ability to win a golf tournament. Right. That's awesome. 
John Rom could do well too, man. I mean, he just had a baby, so yeah, I know he's probably turning me off. Well, so I think that because originally I heard like his wife's due date was like the tenth through the thirteenth, which like like, out, man. Yeah, exactly. So now that the baby's here, he can be like free to be like, all right, she's healthy, everyone's happy, like let's go play some golf. Okay, that's interesting because my perspective is like you've got a kid now. And your focus since you've had that kid is not on hitting a solid seven iron and working on your wedge game. It's like, okay, I got to make sure that this is all taken care of and that she's kids like five days old, dude. Yeah, I know. And he's got so much money. It's not like, it's not like he's got to run out and get diapers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's got no pair for that. Yeah. And dude, you know, like a lot of guys, like, especially back in the day, like, it would take guys till they were in their thirties and like had families until they were like starting to win golf tournaments on the PGA tour. Mm-hmm. Cause they were finally like getting mature enough and realizing that there was like more to life than the way they played on the golf course. Right. And this is a really important thing for a lot of amateurs too, is like, there is so much more to life than how you play on the golf course. Like, you know, appreciate being out there and you'll probably play better. Oh yeah, for sure. You know? And so like guys that maybe have that perspective shift are even like, Oh, like life is so good. I'm so blessed. And like, when you're feeling gratitude like that, I feel like the birdies just kind of start pouring in, you know? I love it. I love it. Okay. So I'll give you my two real quick and then I'll uh, let's run through those tiers. Okay. So who do I want to win? Um, My favorite player is Rory McIlroy. Uh, well, Rory and Rory and Brooks, because they both don't give a shit about what they say and they're very honest and truthful, but I think Rory, because Rory's swings, awesome. super fun to watch. Um, he could win and that'd be a really cool tagline with career grand slam and everything too. Um, but I think it's, I put in a bunch of bets on bet rivers in Illinois. You can actually gamble, which is great. Um, but I did like all the heavy hitters, unfortunately, but I did Rory DJ, Justin Thomas and JT. And I would be very, very surprised if uh, it came outside of that. You know, there's, I don't know. I sort of see it as like a 50, 50 shot that it's one of those four guys. I did a little bit of cam Smith. Like we were talking about, I think he's a good dark horse, like Matt Wallace. I did like a top 10 on, um, but I probably, if I had to pick one person, I'd probably put it on JT. Cool. I mean, his wedges are so good that if he's getting the ball in the fairway, he's going to be able to get, get it close to the hole. Right. He's probably the best hundred yard wedge player on tour right now. Right. Absolutely. And he hasn't won it yet. So he's still like really chomping at the bit, I think to, to get it. He's due. So. Um, so tier one, do you got your list up? Yeah, I got my list up. Okay. So I'll run through, let's do tier one. Uh, we're going to do four picks from one from each different tier. And it's like, Hey, basically they're, they're odds to win. Um, but then also their like capability and their skill level from what I've seen here. So, uh, my tier one player, if I'm only picking one of them, it's odds nine to 50. I'm going to pick, just like I was saying, Justin Thomas for my tier one. Who do you got tier one? 
I okay. The guy I'm gonna pick is not the guy I want out of here. The guy I really want out of here is Daniel Boogie Burger. Oh, because I love his laid off top of the backswing. Yeah, I love the nub of dip in the bottom lip. Yeah, I love like just like his vibe out there. Like, and like, dude, he is a member of that same class as like Spieth and Thomas. And yep. like even Smiley Kaufman, you know, yep, um, but yep. people don't talk about him as much, but he was on a tear earlier this year, dude. He was yes. playing really well, but um, I mean, <sighs> I got to pick Dustin Johnson out of this group, oh, man. Okay. You did know, you see, but by I, the way, with, with Berger, did you see who he got paired with? No, he got paired with um, Patrick Reed. Oh yeah. Goodness. You remember they had their sort of that spat, a little earlier where, you know, there was that, that very memeable picture where Patrick Reed's like picking up a pine cone or something near his ball. And you just see Berger standing, like staring right at him. Like, mm, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know about this. <laughs> so they're together. So that'll be fun. Right on. Okay. Uh, T- tier two. I'm going to go first on this one. Sure. 66 um, to one to one twenty five to one is tier two. Okay. This guy is not the longest hitter. Yep. But he is an amazing putter. And he is my pick. His name is Abraham Answer. Ooh, Answer. Okay. Yeah. I love his game, man. If he can get it going, like, he's really, really good. Final group last year, right? Yep. Think. But he kind of buckled under the pressure. Yeah. You know, like he like that was a good experience for him. The only thing that I saw against answer, because I've been doing a lot of reading, obviously master's week is my favorite golf week, like bar none. Uh, the only thing that I could see that people said against answer was that he, his first masters was in November and apparently the conditions now are like wholly and completely different compared to November. Like November was really soft and, you know, Dustin shot 20 under and broke all course records and all that stuff. And apparently now they're like, you know, not pissed, but they wanted to play different. So now it's hard and fast. So it's like, uh, it'll be answers first, hard and fast masters. So he's been around the golf course, you know, but like, he hasn't seen it like this. Right. And they always say you have to have a whole ton of experience before you're going to actually win. So, okay. Well, thanks for poo-pooing my pick. Who's you yours? know, I like him though, but he was in the final group last year and he got like he fourth or whatever it was. So, was. and you know what? A firm and fast golf course off the tee yep. benefits him because he's coming into holes with shorter clubs. Yeah. But it's more difficult for him because everyone's coming into holes with shorter clubs. And if the greens are firm, he's still coming in with a flatter trajectory, but it'll be easier on him. I like that pick though. I like that. Um, So my pick out of this group, which I really don't like, uh, I've got Adam Scott in there, Bubba Watson, Jason Day, Neiman, a bunch of those guys. None of them are playing awesome right now. Like I would pick Bubba, but Bubba's like, hasn't done crap this year. So I'm going to go actually super dark horse right here. I sort of threw his name out earlier, but I'm going to go with Matt Wallace. 
So one of those internationals that, you know, just like before Usti and uh, all those guys, Danny Willett, you know, I feel like there's always some random Euro that shows up and is in contention. So there we go. Matt Wallace for me, tier two. Cool. All right. Let's, let's go on to tier three. Who you got there? Tier three, 150 to 300. There's guys like Gary Woodland, Fratelli, Cam Champ, Ryan Palmer, just to give you sort of an idea. Um, I really don't like this. I'm thinking between Dylan Fratelli because he played so well last year. And he's maybe long like too. Dude. Gary Woodland, yeah, because he just has that experience. But I think I'm going to go with Ryan Palmer. I feel like that guy has okay. – he always puts it together, but he never quite gets it there. And maybe this week – is the week where he doesn't may- maybe win, but geez, when you're 150 or 300 to one, like just get in 10th or something. So <laughs> I'm going to go Ryan Palmer. Okay. Well, we have one of the longest players in the field here as well. Cameron champ. That's right. We also have one of the shortest players in the field, Zach Johnson. Yep. Um, and I'm going to stay down at that end of the spectrum and I'm going to go with a man who I think gained a lot of confidence at the WGC match play, uh, both on and off the course with his takedown of the man that I think could actually be the champion of this tournament, Dustin Johnson. I am going with Mr. Kevin, Kevin, walk it in. Nah. For my tier three pick, I think that he hits the ball far enough. He's pretty accurate with his irons. Um, But I think the thing that he has going for him the most, his intangible is his just grind, you know? Right, right. His grind, man. Like, he can really get after it. But he can also kind of bitch out a little bit. And like, be like, oh, I shot like an 84. My back's hurt. Like I'm out of this tournament. (laughs) So, yeah, but I mean, you're talking 150 to 300 to one though. So, you know, he could show up and he can do it. Yeah. So, So, yeah, I'm going with Kevin. Yeah, I like it. That's a good pick though. That's a good pick. Okay. And out of the last group, tier four, 500 to 2,500 to one. (laughs) Okay. We're reaching this, this guy has won recently Mm -hmm. and I may come across the opportunity to caddy for him at Cherry Hills country club this summer because he's a new member, former CSU Ram recent PGA tour winner, Martin Laird. Oh, okay. Martin Laird. I like that. I like that. I'm going to go. Let's face it. None of these guys have a chance, but I'm going to go with Stewie sink. Actually, Stuart sink is my pick. I feel like that guy, you know, he just like everyone always writes him off and he's too old and, you know, he is pretty old, but he still can hit the ball pretty good. And I feel like he's put it together in a bunch of majors before. And, you know, like the other three picks I've had, I, they haven't won recently. Um, you know, apart from JT, I guess, but, uh, you know, I feel like they're in contention at least. So I'm going to go with Stewie. Hey, is Doug Gim in the field? Dougie Gim. I don't think so. I think that one time he was in was because he was an AM. All right. Speaking of AMs, who is going to get low AM 
at the Masters. Oh gosh, I would have to look at the list. I mean, I'm going with you know recent USAM champion Tyler Strafacci. Okay. If that's how you say his name. But he's also the highest ranked amateur player in the field. He's ranked like 11th in the in the world right now. I don't I'll go with that same person. I actually don't I know that the whole tournament is like rooted in the amateurs because Bobby Jones stayed amateur, but I don't personally care that much. So cool. <laughs> I'll go on. with that guy. Well, same this is fun, man. I had yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. really glad we got to do this, dude. It was good. It was good. So uh, next week we'll follow up again, uh, you know, exact dates and time TBD, but uh, based upon when, uh, when the tournament finishes up and uh, you know, maybe when Jeff can go live here and we can, we can all buy ourselves our own friggin' sweet cooler towel, but uh, hopefully look for us again to wrap up and talk a little bit more about some, some business stuff we didn't get to. uh, But then also, see how terrible all of our masters picks were. Um, and, you know, maybe they were good. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but we'll talk about all that stuff and then, uh, yeah, we'll see if we'll see if the cooler towels ready to go. So, uh, again, Jeff, before you just sign off there, just let everyone else know again where they can find you and, uh, you know, maybe one or two parting words. Right on. Yeah. So, you know, thanks again, obviously. I really appreciate yeah. it. Um, website is saucegolf.com, uh, at saucegolfco on Instagram and Facebook. And, um, you know, if I could send anybody with some parting words, it would be the sauce golf company slogan. Uh, which is play with gratitude. There you go. I love it. I love it. What a way to end it. That's beautiful. Perfect. Cool, man. You got it, Ben. Well, I'm looking forward to catching up with you next week. We'll be in touch about where I'm at with the towel and uh, have a blast watching the tournament this weekend. Oh, my God. I can't wait. It's going to be great. (laughs) 